What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. Today's episode, man, this was an absolute fire. This was a banger of an episode. I had my good friend Rico Incarnati on the podcast. This was long overdue. We've been trying to coordinate this for a while, and it, I'm just going to say, it is worth the wait. This might be the best episode ever. I'm just throwing it out there. I know I probably said that before. Mel actually makes fun of me because if you ever hear me speak, everything that I like is the best ever. Like if I have, you know, a good burger, it's the best burger ever. There's nothing in between with me, but I'm serious. This might be the best episode ever. You're just going to have to listen and find out for yourself. But if you agree, or if you just casually like the episode, uh, we would love it if you shared and spread the love. You can do that, number one, by leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes. And number two, you can take a screenshot of the episode, post it to your stories, tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner, and you can tag Rico at Rico.Incarnati. That's R-I-C-O dot I-N-C-A-R-N-A-T-I. Let us know you enjoy the episode and enjoy it. All right, guys, I've got a very special guest with me today. This interview is long overdue. I feel like I've been riding solo for a while. I haven't had a guest on the show, been doing more of the solo mission. But now, as, as the lone wolf has brought somebody into the pack, now there's two wolves. I've got Rico Incarnati. I don't think I've ever pronounced your last name. Hopefully I got that, that right. So uh, it's, it's great to have you on the show, man. Thanks for joining. Yeah, man. Thank you. You pronounced that very well. Uh, it's it's great to join a fellow lone wolf, and now we hopefully can be a lone wolf pack here. Sir, two wolves in the pack. Um, so, right. yeah, I mean, for for those of you that don't know Rico, um, I got connected with him through Jason Phillips, and actually um, had Jordan Syatt on the podcast. It must have been about two years ago, and it was kind of a funny story because. Um, Jordan had just finished doing his Big Mac challenge and we he came on the show. We talked all about it. And then after I met Rico, he was like, oh, yeah, I filmed that whole that whole documentary. It's like, no way. It's crazy. So um, Rico has spent time filming guys like Jordan Syatt, Gary Vee, um, has definitely been around some pretty influential figures, which I think being behind the lens is a cool perspective. I'd love to like hear the the origin story about how you decided to go down that path and, and, you know, like just if that was something that you had always been passionate about, or if it was something that was kind of a, a hard pivot in your life, like let's, let's hear the origin story. Yeah, man. Um, so I actually originally wanted to be a pediatrician and this had been set since I was in high school. Um, I wanted to go down the whole medical route and that was literally what, and, and I'm going to frame it this way and I'll come back to it. And this is what my, my father had envisioned for me to where it was, you're going to go to this this high school uh, or th this college um, after after like your uh, first four years at DePaul, um, he like had the whole medical school where I was going to go and everything. And and so for me, I'm like, okay, cool. I want to be a pediatrician, right? Like I enjoyed, uh, I, I never liked going to the doctor, but I enjoyed how pediatricians were able to um, make kids feel as if going to the going to the doctor wasn't so scary. And so for me, that was always intriguing. Uh, and so when I was younger. I had been built up as Enrico, the doctor, and I was always going to be a doctor. And my father told everyone and his friends that I was, you know, setting out to be a doctor. Enrico's going to go to this school, yada, yada. Um, and so fast forward to high school, that's when I enrolled in 
health sciences classes. That's my role. Like the AP chemistry, by the way, fucking hate chemistry. Um, cannot stand it. But for me, that was a time where I'm like, okay, cool. Like I got to get really serious about this. And um, I've told this a, f- a few times, but in in freshman year and, and sophomore year of high school, you take like the explore test and, and, and it's like the plan test, at least for us. It was it was the, the test that you take before the ACT, right? ACT came junior year. And so these tests were like career explore tests. And something I always did was I never answered what was true to me. I always answered what my father would have liked and what a doctor would answer like. I never answered those questions that geared towards what I actually was interested in. It was always like, well, how would a doctor answer this? Right? Because I had to be in that frame. I had to be in that identity and anything that wasn't that identity. If I brought that home to my father, it would have, it wouldn't have solidified like, oh, well, you're supposed to be a doctor. Right. And so it was always building that frame on the identity of, I had to be a doctor. And so um, I got my certified nursing assistant license at 17 and at 18, um, like I was in the, like I said, the advanced placement chemistry. And I, I don't say that to be like, it's so oh, you're smart. I fucking hated them. Like I hated those classes. Like I, I think I got a D in chemistry and I'm proud to say that. Um, and like anatomy and physiology and I'm like, oh, this is cool. And so uh, enrolled in health sciences uh, major pre-med at DePaul University in Chicago, Illinois. Um and so for me, I, like, like I said, it was freshman year of college and I'm like, oh shit, like this is like the big leagues, like this is serious now. And I, again, I was in chemistry class again and I was in, I was in lab and I realized I'm like, I don't like this. I'm like, I hate this. Right. And I, I, I knew where it was stemming from because it became more of my father's dream and my father's vision than mine. Right. Like it became more of his identity within me as opposed to like, well, what does Enrico actually want? Right. My father's name is Luigi. Um, love my father to death. And it almost was like, this is, I, I feel like I'm living like what, what he wants me to do versus what I don't want to do. Right. And there was a piece of content by Gary V at that time. I before I ever interact with him, met him, filmed him, where he talked about, and this this really struck with me. This might strike with some of you. It was a piece of content that was around. I would rather you have a an uncomfortable two to three years with your parents versus eighty years of resentment for the rest of your life. And that really hit me because I'm like, ooh, like dis like displeasuring your parents for the short term, right? Versus versus resenting them for the long term because you did what they wanted versus versus confront them in the beginning and being like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. This doesn't serve me and having it be weird. And for me, that just hit me immediately. And that's what I was like, you know what? I have to tell my dad, I don't want to do this anymore. Arguably one of the hardest conversations of my life because his next question was cool. Now what? Right. I didn't know what, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to figure it out. And so that whole period of time was, it was arguably like one of the darkest times of my life. Um, this is why I'm so passionate about mental health now. It was a time where I had I had no idea who I was anymore. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know. And mind you, I'm like 19, 20 years old, right? I'm like, I have no idea who I am anymore. And I'm still a, a late teenager. And for me, it just, it, it felt, it felt so heavy because, and I know maybe some of you listening might feel this way to where it's like, you have this one identity and now that no longer is you anymore. And you're, you kind of like cut yourself out from that. And you're trying to take on this new identity. And it's like, well, who am I? Right. And it's like, you're just, you're, you're kind of just shooting blanks and you don't really know what to do. Um, and so for me, like th- this was a time in my life where I had gone down a, a dark path r- relatively mentally. Um, and that's where I attempted suicide uh, just because I wasn't in a place where I'm like, you know what? It's worth it. Right. Um, I couldn't see a- anything else that I did 
that would be worth it to my father to, again, it came back to him, right. To where I'm like, he would be happy with what I'm doing. Um, and so for me, that was always a, a period of time where I'm like, okay, like that was like a rock bottom for me. And I'm like, what do I do from here? You know? And at that time I was really focused on the gym. I was really focused on working out because that was my escape. That was my, um, outlet towards classes. I would skip classes to go to the gym because I'm like, I want to, I want to work out. I don't want to go to stupid math class, whatever. Um, and at that time I was following Christian Guzman. I got in a fitness space, Christian Guzman, max tuning, um, Christian Guzman. If, if those of you, if you're familiar with like Alphalete athletics, he's the owner of them. Um, and I liked what he was doing. He was vlogging. He was like 24, I believe that at the time. Um, and I'm like, Ooh, like, this looks like, this is fun. Like I connected with him. I related to him. I felt like I knew him through a camera and that was very enticing for me. And so I started making Snapchat videos of fitness tips and little uh, tricks and t- uh, that, that I was learning and relaying it to people on, on my Snapchat. And my girlfriend at the time was like, why don't you, why don't you make YouTube videos? And I'm like, Okay. So that weekend, um, I went to Best Buy and the money that I made from working at my school's gym as an entrance attendant, scanning people's IDs, I put it towards getting my first camera, which was a GoPro. And that was how I filmed my first YouTube video. So if you go back on my YouTube channel, my first YouTube video is literally me making oats in the beginning with a GoPro. Um, So awkward, but again, we all start somewhere. And for me, I'm like, this is what I want to do. Like this felt right I didn't know exactly where it was going to take me, but I knew right then and there, I was like, this is something that I, I, I enjoy. I just did. And put in the repetitions, just like made, made videos, made videos, eventually saved more money, bought a new Canon T5i camera. Um, and so that's how I got into the realm of like getting into the video space. Now, how I got to where I am today is to where I... Because Christian Guzman, so he does a summer shredding challenge every single year. And it started in March and ended in June. And so I enrolled in it. I, I decided to do it. And at the end of it, he had a meetup at his gym in Houston, Texas. And I'm like, I'll go there. So I flew to Houston because it was like one big party. And at that meetup, I met the, uh, a man by the name of Zach Rushlow, who on Instagram, he is the flexible dieting lifestyle. And I'd been following him for a little bit and he and I just linked up and I was like, Hey man, like super cool to meet you here. Like yada, yada. Like we just ex- exchanged pleasantries, whatever. Um, he sent me like a free cookbook, which was super cool. We stayed in contact. And then a couple months later, he put on his Instagram story that he was looking for a videographer. And so I'm like, Ooh, I'm like, this is cool. I'm like, I, I kind of want to do it. He's like, Hey, I need a videographer to come with me to LA for five days. Like who, who wants in type thing. So I replied, I was fully honest though, because I'm like, listen, man, I, I would love to do this. Um, but I don't like, I, 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 I'm, I'm brand new. Yada, yada. Like I'm, I'm just, I want to be fully transparent. And so he's like, okay, cool. Like I appreciate the honesty. There's two other people who are clearly more experienced than you. Why should I choose you? And I simply said, because I work harder than both of them combined. And he's like, cool. He's like, can you find your way to LA? So two days later, booked a flight to LA. Um, and I filmed with Zach for five days. That turned into a full-time position for the next year. Um, while working with Zach, I met Jordan Syatt at an event in Los Angeles. And it was a Pencils of Promise event, a charity event with Lewis House, which was also super cool. And met Jordan because I'm like, oh, I know you because you coach Gary, yada, yada. Um, and then after my time with Zach, Jordan was looking for a videographer. And this story is even more funny because he put on his story, um, looking for a videographer to work with me full time, move to New York City, yada, yada. I replied and he's like, hey man, there's someone that replied before you. If it doesn't work out in the next 90 days, I will let you know. Didn't work out at all. 
I vividly remember it was November 1st. I was on the Stairmaster. Jordan called me. I literally saw my phone. It said, Jordan, saw it. I'm like, what could this be? He's like, hey, literally, he's like, hey, bro, like, yada, yada. He's like, so you want to move to New York City? I'm like, done. Like, didn't even question it. I was just like, yep. And he's like, are you serious? Like, you don't want to think about it? I'm like, nope. I'm like, I want to do it. And he's like, he's like, you, you, he's like, I promise, like, you could take time if you want to think about it. I'm like, for what? I'm like, no, done. Like, let's do it. He's like, cool. So, like, we, we ironed out like details over the next like couple of days. Um, and then I flew out December of 2018, almost three years ago to the day to film with him for the weekend, just to kind of like get a feel for each other. And then January of 2019 is when I moved to New York city and worked with Jordan for the past two years, um, which was super, super cool. And then after, after filming with Jordan, I started my own, my own business as well. Um, and that's where I'm at today now to where, um, I, 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 create content for other fitness coaches. Um, and a l- l- long, long roundabout way. That's, I know it's a long story, but that's where I'm at today. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. I love it. There's uh there's so many different, uh, nuances in there that, that hit me and resonate deeply. Like first and foremost, the conversation that you had to have with your dad talking about like, Hey, I don't want to go down the path that you want me to go down. And like, I remember having that conversation. It was with my grandfather who was so big on like education. Education was everything. There was like, no, it was, you, you go to college, you get your degree, you go to graduate school, you go, you know, either get a business degree or a law degree, but like you have to equip yourself with as many um, opportunities as possible. And education is the conduit to that, which I fully agree. And it just wasn't for me. And having to have that conversation with him was probably the most difficult thing. Like he was somebody that I looked up to so much and to be like, I'm, I'm not going to do this. Um, I, I felt like I was letting him down. Now, fast forward, I have a, a business that's in his name that is is thriving and, and I, I couldn't be more proud of that. Um, but that I remember that moment. I remember exactly where we were, the feeling like the, the pit in my stomach, like, I can't believe I'm about to utter these words to this person that I look up to so much. Um, that was the first thing. And then talking about identity, uh, I've been very open about the fact that my whole fitness journey started with a massive identity shift where I you know, had identified as an athlete my whole life and then gained a ton of weight through the end of college, like right after I graduated um, and not knowing who I was because everything in my life to that point had been, you know, Mike, the athlete, my social connections, my friends, everybody. It was just how I associate. And now I'm this like 250 pound guy who's like afraid to step foot on a basketball court or see people from high school or anything. It was like this massive identity shift. And I, that was a really dark period of my life going into that, that hole of, I don't want to be seen. I don't want, I just want to like go into my shell and hide. Um, can you talk about like, so you obviously mentioned for you rock bottom, um, you know, attempting suicide that another part of your story that I, I, I didn't know um, talk about like the shift because some people go down that path and they don't come out of it and they don't speak up and they don't ask for help. Um, talk about what shifted for you and like maybe some things that you kind of wish you knew back then that, you know, now that might help somebody who's going through that currently. Yeah. My, my biggest thing, and I am the biggest proponent of this for everyone is therapy is, is so like, I go by the mantra like therapy is cool. Right. Um, a lot of people, I think they have a stigma around therapy because they're like, well, and, and again, especially related back to my father and my family, if I told him I was going to therapy, it's like, no, no, my, my son has nothing wrong with him. He doesn't need to go to therapy. Right. And for me, it was, 
you know what? I need to listen to more to my voice and not so much my father's voice. And I had to really tune him out for the past, for, for like two to three years. As tough as it was, I need to hear my own voice for a little bit. I had so much of his voice in my head. I had to tune it out for a little bit. And so for me, um, I, I, I encourage anyone and everyone to do this, uh, especially like in college, because for me, that's when I, that's when I first started therapy was in college. It was $5 a therapy session. I don't think people take advantage of enough take advantage of that enough when they're in school uh, is use utilizing like the therapy resources that they have. And so for me, that was something where I'm, I, I was always against it. I was always against like, I don't need to go to therapy. Like it's, it's stupid. And people that go to therapy are crazy and that like they're, they, they have something seriously wrong with them. Right. As opposed to reframing it, I, I'm so big, even today, like I'm so big on reframing everything in your life um, because it, it, everything starts mentally. And it's like, if you just reframe how you look at things, like it changes everything. It changes your perspective on stuff. And so for me, it was reframing how I looked at therapy, right? And I, I, I knew that I didn't want to deal with it alone. I didn't want to deal with this issue alone. Um, even at the time, like my, my girlfriend, like I, I didn't want to put it on her. I didn't want to um, stress her. And I, I, I didn't, I wanted to have someone who had no involvement in my life understand or be able to articulate and pinpoint like, okay, what it is that I'm going through and what are like triggers that, that happened in my life? Um, what like flares up certain things? Like, why am I going through this identity shift? And so for me, it was really stepping into like, and, and mind you, I was so embarrassed to do this. I, I remember um, I went on on the CTA red line in Chicago, went down to our downtown campus, and that's where our therapy services were. And I, 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 I'm, I've never told this. Like, I remember walking down the hall because I'm like, I'm like, oh, let me just pass by like the therapy office. Oh, it's right there. Okay, cool. Um, I, I waited for the class because I knew I knew there was like a class about to get out. I didn't want anyone to see me go in there because I was like, I know if someone sees me go in here, like they're going to tell the, my coworkers that I work with, they're going to tell my other friends that like, like, Oh, like I saw Rico go in here. Like, again, it's that preconceived notion of like, what are other people going to think? Um, and also being judged for it. And so I waited for that to happen. I went in, I was even scared. I'm like, Oh shit. Like what if there's someone else in here that I know? Um, and like, are they going to say anything? Right. But then it's also like, well, they're in here too. So like, would I say anything? Would I judge them? No, of course not. Um, and so for me, it was just really getting out of my own way of getting out of my own, like getting out of my head of being in that frame of mind that therapy is like, there's a stigma around it. And so it was, again, just like leaning into that, right? Like it was a really uncomfortable thing of going to therapy, but I, I, I always, I always say this, that it's like, if it, if there's a level of discomfort and uncomfort, like lean into it. And that's always been my mantra. I've always leaned into uncertainty. I've always leaned to, into things that aren't comfortable, that aren't known and lean into the unknown. And it's always come out like exponentially better than what I could have thought. And that was really the the part for me where I'm like, okay, like, let me just lean into this. Let me just try this out and see what this is like. And it helped me a ton. Like it really just like, I, I, I can't, I can't put into words and it, it, it would do it on justice if I did, um, how beneficial therapy is and how, like how beneficial it is for everyone listening. Like even, even if everything is great and you're like, you're like, I don't, I don't feel like I need therapy. I fully respect where you're coming from. I still am a full believer that therapy will uncover things that you didn't even know about that you do in your life today that may be present and in your behaviors, in your actions, um, in the way you speak to people that 
are from triggers from like your, your trauma in life, like as a kid or how you were raised or people that were around you and like things you didn't know. And it just helps you articulate your thoughts a lot better. And it helps you talk to someone who has no recollection of where, how you grew up has no bias towards, well, like obviously like when you're friends with someone, like, Oh, I'm going to take my friend's side, but it's like your therapist is like, well, I understand where you're coming from, but could you also understand where they're coming from? And it's like, oh yeah, I could. And so it allows you to just have a lot more empathy for people, empathy for yourself, a whole new perspective on life. And so for me, like leaning into therapy is key. Yeah. So I, I know there's a lot of people right now who are thinking, well, the gym is my therapy and I'm here to tell you it is not. Um, the gym can be a great outlet, but it is for sure not therapy. So I completely agree. I think that at the end of the day, we we oftentimes think that we're alone in the situation, that there's nobody that gets it. There's nobody that understands. And I think that it happens on a more serious level, like when you're talking about mental health. Um, and then it happens on a less serious level, like when you're talking about, you know, your, your fitness, your nutrition, like people think that, well, it's just me and I have to figure this out on my own. And I think just having the courage and reframing it as a sign of strength when you ask for help, when you actively go out and seek something like a therapist or a coach, and you're like, you know what, this is actually a sign of strength that I'm asking for help. We often think, well, I should just know, I should just do this on my own. But like, in in, in what world is that how it should be, right? That's that's a pre-existing belief. That's something that we've just made up in our minds. And we've accepted that as fact. If we challenge that, we can see clearly from history that any person who's ever been successful in anything has asked for help, has had a coach, a mentor, a guide, something to get them there. And they often continue that even when they're at the top, like people who achieve the highest level of success, whatever that means for you, even those individuals will still actively pursue a coach, a guide, a mentor. Um, it's crazy that you, you brought up the fact about leaning into uncertainty and discomfort because I literally on the podcast, um, the last episode that I dropped I said a quote that I had just heard, which was, if you're not ready for uncertainty, you're not ready for growth. And I was like, man, that just hit. Because if, if you like unpack your story, what resonated with me and what stuck out was the fact that you took advantage of opportunities and there was nothing, there was nothing guaranteed. There was no guarantees. There was probably a lot of fear. There was probably a lot of un uncertainty, like even the simple task of, Hey, why don't you start a YouTube video or a YouTube channel and, and start filming videos? Like a lot of people would be like, well, I don't know how to do that. So I'm just not going to do it. And then having the opportunity to get a job as a videographer without any experience. And a lot of people would have looked at that. Like, I'm not going to apply because there's probably better candidates. And then somebody like Jordan Syatt, like, I'm not, I'm not going to apply because he probably needs somebody who's elite. Like all of these self-limiting beliefs that many people would, would tell themselves, which would prevent them from leaning into that uncertainty. Um, do you think that that was something that was inherent in you? I think you've, you know, you, you kind of have this, this mantra of, of be a fucking shark, which we'll talk about. Um, yep. And I think that that fits with, with this narrative of just, even if it's uncertain, even if there's fear, even if you don't know what's on the other side of that decision, just take advantage of the opportunity and move forward and lean into that. Like, where do you think that comes from? Man, that's a great question. I was like, as you were, as you were talking about that, um, I relate that to, when I was younger, like my parents divorced when I was two years old. And so I had to teach myself to be very independent. And I, at an early age, understood what it was like to take care of myself because um, like my mom would come home late or she would be like, again, 
love my parents to death. Um, like my mom would be, I don't know, like out on a date somewhere and wouldn't come home until like 10 o'clock at night. And like, I, I was home the whole day or like I was home after school and like had to take care of myself and like had to be okay with that. Right. And like, I didn't know when mom would, my mom would come home. I didn't know um, when I would go see my dad. I mean, like we had our scheduled visitations because of you know, court order and everything, but again, like I, I didn't, I didn't know when things were planned out. Like I, I didn't, I didn't have a strict schedule of when things were going to happen. Like when I was going to see my mom, um, like I had to take, you know, go to soccer practice on my own and like, you know, figure out all these things. And for me, like, I, I, I think it just became a natural like thing for me. That's why like in my life right now, whenever there's a stressful situation where I don't have the answer or like, it's not planned out and it's like, or it's not in the Google calendar. I'm like, cool. Like I'm like, I'll figure it out. Like it, it's fine. You know? I think so many people get crippled by, well, if I don't know exactly what's going to happen or if I don't have the exact plan, like just say fucking screw it. Right. But in reality, it's like, no, like lean into that. Right. Like you, you'll find a silver lining within everything you do. Um, and so to go back to your question, I think that just came innately with me. I think that just, it, it was an instinct for me, right? Like I, I don't think twice about that. Like I, I, I just don't, I don't think twice about like, applying for a position that I have no experience in because I'm like, you know what? I'll figure it out. I have no, no hesitance in, in figuring out how to, how to do a YouTube video because I'll figure it out. Right. I, I even told Zach, I still have the DM. Like I, I told him I was super honest because he had a Sony a seven S two for those of my camera nerds out there. Um, I had a Canon T five I and I was honest with him. Like, Hey man, I'm like, I, I don't know how to use your camera. Um, but I'm going to figure it out again. I always want to be super transparent with him because I don't want to set unrealistic expectations. And so he's like, cool. He's like, I have no doubt you'll figure it out. Right. And that's always been my mantra is if I don't know, I'll figure it out. Right. We live in a world where there's so many resources. There's so many, uh, options to consume content on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, like wherever it is, a blog on how to figure out how to do something, or you could just ask people that there's no reason why you can't do something. And for me, if I don't know how to do something or I don't know um, a certain way or whatever, like I'll figure it out. Right. So that's always been my mantra is I love the unknown because it's always, it's always supercharged my growth. Um, there and and we'll, we'll relate back to this. Um, so Tyler Babin, who used to film for Gary, um, he is a videographer as well. He's a videographer right now for Hassan Minaj. He originated the whole "Be a Fucking Shark" thing for me, um, which we'll touch on. But he made a YouTube video that was talking about like if you really want to supercharge your growth, throw yourself into a scenario of unknowns, right? And it's it's true. Like most people fall into certainty. Most people like to fall into comfort because it's known, right? But it's like. Nine times out of 10, I would bet you, and I could be wrong, but I would bet you like, what have you really learned? Like, where's the growth in that? Like there's, there, there's beauty in struggle. There's beauty in not knowing certain things. There's beauty in not having, um, an understanding of well, what's, what's coming next. It's like, I don't know, like, but just lean into that. Right. And so I think for most people, um, it, it's, it's tough because most people in society, they, they like to, they like to default to a comfort. They like to default to what they know because it's easy, but, I never like easy because it's never, it's never evolved me as a person. Um, and I, I think that's why I enjoy speaking with people that are like 10 years older than me, because I'm like, I always want to make sure that I'm, I'm making the 10 year version of myself proud. And as long as I'm surrounding myself with people that are where I want to be in 10 years, I'm doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I always come back to is that comfort while it in the short term, it feels warm and cozy because it's predictable, it's known, but it slowly kills us. And we literally have research to suggest that people who don't take chances that don't 
embrace that discomfort, that uncertainty. They are they report being less fulfilled. They report a lower sense of well being. Uh, the the research is very clear that a life without struggle is unfulfilling. We need that. That's how we evolved as a species. We need inherent struggle. And I think the the power in, in what you're saying is that it almost gets to a point where when you when you do take that mindset, you get to choose what you struggle for versus the person who stays the same. The, that struggle is it, it slowly eats away at you because you know deep down you're capable of more. You know deep down that that there's another option. And if and if you're choosing the certainty of your current situation, but the certainty of your current situation isn't where you want to be, you're you're basically creating your own prison. Like that's that's just the fact. That's the reality of the situation. If you're not where you want to be, and you know you're capable of more, but you're choosing the comfort zone. You're choosing the certainty of your own misery over slight discomfort. And I think oftentimes we we uh, blow it up in our minds a lot bigger than it really is. Like the discomfort, the uncertainty, it only lasts a very short period of time. Once you take the leap, you very quickly, like you probably figured out how to work that camera pretty quickly. Like it probably wasn't this whole long, like months of uncertainty. It was probably a little bit of discomfort. And then you got pretty comfortable with it pretty quickly. I think we always um, just exaggerate how significant it's going to be when in reality, it's a slight discomfort. We figure it out and we're like, okay, that wasn't so bad. And then that builds um, confidence for the next time you're faced with a similar situation. Um, so I do want to hear like, where that, where that, um, be a fucking shark ultimately originated from and how that all came to be. Yeah. So that's a wonderful question as well. Um, so I'll go back and I have to give full credit to where credit's you. a uh, great friend of mine, Tyler Babin. Uh, he used to be a videographer on team Gary V and film Gary V. And there was a Monday, I can't, I think it was like July, 2019 or June, 2019. He put out, he put out on his Instagram feed. It was a, a video of like sharks swimming around and he did a voiceover on it that was talking about like, do sharks care about about it being Monday? No, they're they're too busy just being a shark, right? Or they're too busy reminding other people that they're being a shark. And and he actually had a he got a shark tattoo because of it, which was cool. It was like a little just a little shark bite. Um, and it just it resonated with me. I'm like, I'm like, huh? I'm like, I'm like, be a fucking shark. I don't know. Like it it literally just just hit with me then, and I. I've always loved sharks. I've always like gravitated towards watching shark videos on YouTube, whether it's a great white, like breaching the water and this mammoth just coming out of the ocean, attacking a seal. I'm like, it's kind of cool. Um, but I, and, and I did more research on them and it really has evolved into this, this brand that I've built and um, this identity of it's a way of life being a fucking shark that really hits home, right? Like sharks physically can't swim backwards or they will die like the, the water will get in their gills. And I'm like, what a great mantra for life. Like if we always look backwards, if we're always going backwards in life, like, like not that you physically will die, but it's like mentally, you're just, you're, you're slowly just deteriorating, right? Like you're never moving forward. And, and I always like, I always like the mantra of like, just keep swimming forward. That's it. Like if, the, if sharks need to turn backwards, they have to fully turn around. And it's like, if you want to turn backwards in life, you have to fully turn around. Meaning you can't continue going the way you're going. You have to fully turn around. Right. Um, again, like that, that's why it's, it's the same mantra I, I love where it's like, when we're driving in our car, there's a reason why the windshield is bigger than the rear view mirror because there's more in front of you, right? And it's it's something that I've always loved, especially with sharks, is that like they swim alone, um, they're they're doing their own thing, like they're not worried about what other fish are doing because they're just being a fucking shark. And I use that in every aspect of life. 
whatever that is. I don't care how big or how small it is. I know some of you might be listening to where it's like, fuck, today is a tough day to get out of bed and you want to go to the gym. Like literally just like, you know what? Am I going to be a fucking guppy about it? Or am I going to be a fucking shark about it? Right. It's like being a fucking shark just means going for a five minute walk, going for a 10 minute walk. It's making the decision that's going to make you the most proud that where you can put your head on the pillow and be like, you know what? I did my best today. Or you know what? In 10 years from now, my kids are going to be proud of that. Right. That's how you have to look at it. And so the decisions you make today, the things that you do today, the actions that you do today have to map to the person that you want to become. And if not, then you're just bullshitting yourself. And so when I say be a fucking shark, I mean it. And whatever that is in life, if, if you have to do your laundry, you have to make your bed, be a fucking shark about it. It's just a mindset, right? It's just an opportunity for you to keep swimming forward and make progress. And I love it. Uh, so what would you say to somebody who struggles with that mindset? Like, I think that for a lot of us, it, it just, I'll say personally, I definitely shifted from the person that was always leaning into being comfortable. And had to teach myself through just life experience what it looks like to be the person that embraces discomfort. So I know that it's doable. But what would you just what would you say to somebody who wants to take on that mindset of being a fucking shark, but they find themselves looking in the past or second guessing or being paralyzed by fear of of uncertainty and discomfort? Like, how do you coach yourself through that, or how do you start to make that shift? I, I and. And I think you'll, your audience will appreciate this as well. It's it's like when you first start tracking calories, right? It's like what you talked about before to where it's like, well, it's easy to not do it. Of course, it's easy to not do it. It's comfortable to not do it, right? It's easy to not have to take your phone out and like scan the barcode for my fitness pal, because for some people, that's just so daunting. But like you said, towards like when you do it once, twice, a third time, it's like, oh, it's not that bad. And it's like, you realize like, oh crap, like I've been doing this a hundred times. Like this is actually super easy, right? And I like, I like to look at it. It's like, it's, it's like compounding interest. Like you have to do the repetitions and there's really no easy way to say this, but it's just like, you have to just start, right? Most people are, that that's the number one thing that most people are crippled by is their lack of their lack and inability to start. Like may, I would argue like coasting through or just like continuing to go through is the easy part, but just starting is what gets people crippled. Whether that's making video content, whether that's putting out a podcast episode, whether that's tracking a calorie, whether that's going to the gym, just starting the fear of that cripples so many people. And it's the paralysis by analysis. Well, I need to make sure I have the best lighting. I need to make sure I have the best looking camera. My microphone has to be perfect. My sound has like my, the, the whole room I'm in has to be perfect. The, 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 t- the temperature outside has to be perfect for me to go on a walk. And like my water needs to be at a good, like, like all these stupid excuses that we tell ourselves to not take action and to just default to comfort, right? Like the easy decision for for you to do, I'm for I'm talking to you to listening. Like the easy decision is to stay in bed, right? Because it's easy when it's and it's six a.m. and I'm sure you have to go to work at nine. It's easy at six a.m. when it's nice and warm and cozy in in your bed, and the alarm goes off for you to go to the gym. You're like, ooh, but five more minutes. Ooh, but ten more minutes. It's easy. That's comfortable, right? That's not being a fucking shark, right? Like that's not making a decision that's going to make you the most proud. Is it? Because when you go to bed at night, you're going to be like, oh, I wish I didn't hit that snooze button. But 
if you can, again, compounding interest goes both ways. If you continue to make those decisions, you continue to make those actions. So it's like, oh, I'm going to keep hitting snooze. Uh, okay, then 6.15 turns into 6.30, and then 6.30 turns into 6.45, 7. And then you start to realize, oh, I don't have as much time now to work out because you keep hitting snooze. Well, eventually I'm just not going to work out because it's just not worth it. It just doesn't, it doesn't work for me, right? It's it's no longer your fault. You, you, you blame everything else but yourself, right? And it's like, no, you got to take accountability for that. Instead, you can be like, no, I'm going to wake up at six and maybe I'll wake up at 5.45. Maybe I'll wake up at 5.30. You know why? Because 5.30, I want to have 30 minutes to journal. I want to have 30 minutes to meditate. I want to have some me time, some mental health time, some mindset space. And then 6 a.m. is when I go work out, right? But again, you choose it, right? Like you, you choose your heart. You choose what you want. Is it harder for you to look at yourself in 10 years from now and wonder, man, what if I would have done this? What if I would have just gotten up at 6 a.m. and gotten to the gym? What if I would have just tracked my calories? What if, like, what if, right? Like all these what ifs. Do you want to live with that, right? Do you want to live with being able to tell your daughter in 15 years from now why mommy couldn't, why, 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 why mommy isn't able to walk up a flight of stairs? Because and and it's hard for her. Is it because you want to you want to tell her? You know what? I didn't take the actions necessary for me to do that. And it's like you again. You have to look your your children in the eyes and look at it as like shit. Like I can't be there for them. But it's like, or you can look at it as I want to be there for my children. Therefore, I'm going to take the actions that I want to right now. Again, again, I say this, and I I know some some of you might listen. Like you're you're 26. Like who the fuck are you to say this? It's like. I always want to make the 10 version ahead of me proud, right? So 36-year-old Enrico, when he does have kids, I want to be taking those actions because they're a model of me, right? Like my children, I want them to be a model of me. And so if I'm not doing the things right now, that's going to make A, me proud, but then B, them proud to model after me, I'm just bullshitting myself. And it's like, again, I, I always go back to that because- I always want to be taking the actions and doing the necessary things to make them proud, to be the best example for them so they can pass it on, right? So they can live a happy, healthy life. But if I'm not doing that right now, like I'm setting them up for failure. Yeah. And I can give you an, a, an example that just happened a few days ago. I had a somebody who just signed up for coaching with us who literally was like, the moment that I saw my daughter picking up on the same disordered eating habits that I had, she was like, that was when... There was no longer wow. a choice. She's like, I saw it happening. And, and as I'm telling this, my, my the hair on my arms are standing up because it, it really hit. It was like, once I saw that happening, there was no more choice. She was like, I set up the call with you. I'm in. Let's do this. Now, after we got to talking for a while, she said she had wanted to join for a while. And every time she thought about joining, to your point, starting is the most difficult thing. Every time she thought about joining, her brain would start to tell her all of the reasons AKA excuses why it's not the right time, why, you know, a different time would be better, why she wouldn't do it, why she wouldn't follow all of these things. And, and just so everybody's aware, that is inherent. It's built into our hard wiring. So what happens is we have our instincts that tell us exactly where we need to go. That first gut feeling of, yes, I know I need this. That's the, the pull to what you should be doing. Then after that instinctual feeling goes away, which happens pretty quickly, your brain kicks in and it's like, wait a minute, stress, uncertainty. And it starts to rattle off all of these things. Like it needs to be perfect. Like you mentioned, like I got to do this video. It has to be the perfect lighting, the perfect setting. I need the perfect camera. I need all of the perfect time, all of this stuff. And it's all self-sabotage to get you to stay comfortable. So you kind of have this internal battle of your instincts versus your brain, your logical brain that's trying to keep you safe and comfortable. Uh, and so 
You have to listen to that instinctual pull right when it happens. Instead of second guessing it, you have to lean into that. Like deep down, my heart of hearts, I know this is what I need to do. And we had this whole long conversation and she was like, I knew it from the beginning, but the fear just kicked in. All the excuses kicked in. She was like, but the minute that my daughter started exhibiting some of those disordered eating habits, I was done. I don't want anybody else to have to get to that point because we can take action before that happens. We don't have to get to the point where you see it in your children that they're starting to um, exhibit some of those same patterns and habits that you've instilled in them, whether consciously or subconsciously, because we never do it intentionally. But think about all the shit that you picked up from your parents that they had no ill intent, likely. Um, I know this from talking to my own parents. Trust me, um, you know, I've, I've talked about it openly. My sister struggled with an eating disorder. Pretty much everybody in my family has suffered at some point in their life with body image issues, with disordered eating. It was by no means ever intentional. My parents are the nicest people in the world. Absolutely, they were going based off of the information that they had at the time. And once you see it happening in your kids, that's a whole different ballgame. So the point is, when you when you feel that feeling, when you know instinctually, like, this is what I need to do, you can't second guess it. You can't think twice. You just have to go. You have to be a fucking shark and swim forward. I, I want to I wanna touch on something based off of like a, a something that I've struggled with from a nutrition standpoint. I used to be super huge on intermittent fasting. Like I lived or died by that. And maybe, maybe some of you listening do that too, to where you're like, well, I do keto. So anything else is like, I, I fuck that. Right. Or I track macros. And so anyone else is like, I, I can't, it's like, hang on. Now we're playing politics with, with nutrition. Like, come on. Um, I, I was a big believer that intermittent fasting was the way, right? I, I literally would base my day around food. And my, my, my whole day, my whole week was based around food. I could eat at this time and my eating window closed at this time. And anything after that, I was like, I, I, I was off limits. I could not eat outside my eating window. Um, it got to a point where I was scared to eat fucking breakfast. Like I was scared to eat breakfast. And uh, it was when I was working with Jordan, we were, I remember we were in Maine for a seminar and and because Jordan struggled with this too, with intermittent fasting and eating breakfast. And he challenged me that day to where it was, it was, it was like 7 a.m. Um, he's like, just, just eat breakfast this morning. I was like, I, I, I it, it sounds so silly when I say this now, but it was real. And maybe some of you listening feel this way too. I was like, dude, no, like you don't understand. Like I, I, my anxiety shot through the roof. I was like, I can't, I'm like, I'm like, Jordan, I can't, I'm like, dude, like, I love you, man, but I, I can't eat the eat breakfast right now. He's like, why? And I'm like, I just, I, I don't. And he's like, okay, but, but like, why though? And so the real reason came out was because I didn't want to appear as if I had like distended stomach or that I looked bloated because I ate in the morning and he's like, ah, got it. Okay, cool. So eat breakfast with me. <laughs> and, and it was, again, it was leaning into like, and this was something too, like, right. I talk about like, I'm so like, I lean into uncertainty, uncomfortable, but this was the one thing. And I know most of you might be listening to where it's like nutrition is, it has a stronghold on you. And for me, I'm like, Ooh, like I, 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 I was fighting two battles of wanting to lean into this uncertainty, but then also wanting to stick to my guns and be like, no, like this is the way. Right. And I knew I also, I also, it came to a point where I'm like, if my children told me, dad, I'm scared to eat breakfast. Like that's a problem, right? If, if my children came to me like, dad, I'm scared to eat breakfast. I'd be like, got it. That's coming for me. 
I'm like, I would understand that. And if I had to look my son or daughter in the eye and they told me they were scared of eating breakfast, I'd be like, that's, that's fully my fault. And it's like, I would not want that. So to go on your point to where um, the lady said to where she was realizing that the eating tendency she was having was reflecting in her daughter that hit me that day because I'm like, if my son or daughter told me dad, I'm scared to eat breakfast. I'd be like, Oh my God, like, what have I done? You know? Yeah. I mean, I think that sometimes we have those, those wake up calls where we realize like, you know what, maybe I need to approach this differently. And I actually did a whole post about it. I was like, what, what's going to be your wake up call? It was like right after I had that conversation. So it was fresh in my mind. And it was like, is it going to be the wake up call when, you know, I've had people that it was a doctor's visit and they were like trying to get pregnant. And the doctor was like, no, you're not healthy enough. Like this would be a, a massive risk to both you and your baby if you got pregnant right now. And they were like, oh shit. Um, that another person that just signed up for coaching had that exact same situation. The doctor was like, no, you can't like that. that I would be not doing my job if I told you to go get pregnant right now. And she was like, wow. Um, okay. I'm going to go make a change and then I'm going to go get pregnant. And like, sometimes, you know, we need to hit those, those rock bottom moments or have those breaking points. But if you can avoid it, it's, it's much better to take the approach now, like you said of, um, I love the way that, that James Clear puts it in his, in his book, um, Atomic Habits. It's casting votes for the person you want to become and every action and decision you're casting a vote. And that doesn't mean, right? Like, so that means sometimes like the vote's going to go in the other direction. It's never going to be unanimous. It's never going to be perfect. Like, but if I cast more votes for the person I want to become versus that other person that I'm trying to, you know, outgrow, then I'm going to end up being all right. If I just cast more votes in that direction, I think that that way, that perspective, that reframe is really powerful because it, it removes that, that need to always be perfect. Um, it, it's, you know, perfection is, is not a real thing. It's something that we tell ourselves because to be honest, it's a form of self-sabotage. Perfectionism, perfectionist tendencies is a form of self-sabotage because it's a standard that's impossible to uphold. So inevitably you're going to fall flat when you set that standard, you're sabotaging yourself. That's just what it is for everybody out there. That's like, no, I'm, I can actually be perfect. You're sabotaging yourself. Um, so I think ultimately it's, it's just the reps to your point. It's like, um, I had a conversation with Jay Ferugia. He was like the king of comfort zones. And he was like, yeah. So I threw myself in an improv class because that was the most uncomfortable thing I could possibly think of. Like you have yeah. to think on your feet. It's, it's like on the spot. There's nothing more uncomfortable than that. And that was his way of just getting used to the unknown and uncertainty. There's ways to basically condition yourself to being able to embrace that uncertainty. I think that that is, is probably something that will go further for progress than like anything physical that, that we can talk about. Yeah. And, and to go on that too, I, I love that improv. Um, my, my next like leap that I want to do is like, I want to start jujitsu. Like I want to start some form of mixed martial art um, because I, I, I like to do something every two to three years that's completely off the wall, right? That's completely like new, whether that's like learning, learning guitar or jujitsu now, right? Like it's, it's always something that I'm like, Ooh, I want to like challenge myself a little bit more. Right. Like I, I've, I've got the video stuff down. I've got the editing down, like all that. Um, and it's like, and, and this isn't to say that like I become comfortable or complacent. It's just, I always like to lean into, into things to where I'm like, what can this teach me? Right. Like getting, getting choked out first thing in the morning by someone in jujitsu class 
I think will teach me a whole lot about life. Right. And I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough to um, film at the, the Hensel Gracie in uh, New York city, which is one of the best. Um, it's, it's taught by uh, George St. Pierre's coach, uh, coach over there. Um, and it's super cool, right? Like you're, you're around so many other people and, and immediately when I went in there, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. I feel like a rookie. I feel new. And I'm like, I, I don't know what, what to do. Um, and so I'm always like, Ooh, like I want to lean into that. Like whenever I feel a level of discomfort or a level of inadequacy, I always, it, it's, it's immediate in my mind where I'm like, Ooh, like how can I overcome that? You know what I mean? Like, how can I like fight through that? And it's like, the more and more you do that, the more and more you lean into that, the more and more you, you continue to take action to that and say yes to that, everything else in life becomes less scary. And the more you can say yes to certain things that might've been scary to you now or then, but now it's just like, yeah, like I'll do that. But like years ago, you probably would have said no, because you would have talked yourself out of it because of self-sabotage. But now it's like, you've been able to build a thick skin for yourself. You've been able to be so much more resilient that now the things that would have scared you are just like, yeah, sure. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's not as scary. Yeah. And I think what's really cool about that is at each step of the way, like when you take that first step and you're like, okay, I did that. And it actually wasn't that bad. You start to think, what else can I do? Right. And it opens that's so empowering. It opens up this world of possibilities. You're like, if anybody's ever done like a, a race, like a Spartan or anything like that, like I remember the first time I was like, I thought it was going to be like this really big deal. And then it was like this sense of accomplishment, but I was like, what else can I do? That wasn't so yeah. bad. Like I thought it was going to be this like massively difficult thing. It was challenging, but it was not that bad. I was like, what else can I accomplish? And I've kind of felt that every step of the way through like, each like business milestone, fitness milestone, even life. Like I've, I find myself with other things that I'm trying to accomplish just to become like more well-versed. Like I wanted to learn more about finances and, and like, I have, I had like zero, it's funny for somebody that owns a business. I had like zero business savvy. I had like zero marketing skills. I had zero sales skills, like all these different things. It was like, let me see what I can accomplish just because through health and fitness, I was like, you know what? I can take that one step and then there's so many other possibilities. And I always want to see like, what's the next level? Can I get better? Can I get better? Can I challenge myself more? So I think that when you get over that initial fear, it opens up such, such an incredible world of possibilities to just keep challenging yourself. And it doesn't need to be like these, these grand, you know, gestures of, of, of challenge. It can be something small that you feel accomplished. Like you're at work and maybe you wouldn't have gone for that, you know, promotion or raise, or maybe you wouldn't have felt confident enough to ask for more money, but because you leaned into uncertainty and discomfort, you're like, you know what, I'm going to do this because I deserve it. So it can, it can be small. It can be like, it can be bigger. It just, um, it, it really just opens up a lot of possibilities. Yeah. And, and so go off your point. Like, I know, I know people listening will appreciate this. It's like, it's the same thing with like nutrition. Like for me, when I, when I said yes to eating breakfast, I'm like, Ooh, that wasn't so bad. I'm like, like, what else can I have for breakfast? It, it was, it was so weird. I'm like, Oh, I had like sausage for breakfast and eggs. And I'm like, Oh, like what else can I have for breakfast? It's, it's so weird. Cause I'm like, I'm 24 years old and I'm like freaking out over like eating breakfast again, but it was a huge win for me. Right. And, and I'm sure most of you like listening to the suit that can relate. It's like when you go to the gym and you hit a PR on maybe like deadlifting or maybe like a squat, you're like, Ooh, like, well, how much, how much else can I lift? Right. And it's like this little challenge now, but again, it's like these little mini milestones. It's like, Ooh, I squatted 135. Like, could I do 140 now? Can I do 145? And when you do, it's like, you get like a high off of it and you're like, Oh, I want to like keep progressing. And, and it's, it's cool because it's always that, again, it's that same mantra that I go by 
being a fucking shark, it's always making forward progress, right? And it's never harping on what you can't do, but instead what you can, right? And I, I love the, the saying of, you don't have weaknesses, it's just lesser strengths, right? And for you, Mike, like, like being like business savvy, like I would argue, like you became super business savvy very quickly. But again, like you applied yourself, and it maybe if you never were in fitness, like you wouldn't have had that confidence. And I could be wrong, but like because you kept saying yes to yourself with those little things, like getting in the business world and finance world isn't that scary. And now that you've done that, like now you're a beast with NFTs and understanding like all this stuff. Um, but it's like it doesn't become as scary for you because you've done the hard stuff that now the perceived hard stuff is like, yeah, sure, like I'll do that. Um, and so like again, like anyone that like struggles with nutrition or fitness, like sometimes like for me, like one of the biggest things was even going out to eat, especially if it was like an untracked meal, right? Like a lot of people struggle with not being able to fully track their calories. And I promise you it's okay. Like if you go out, like I'm going out to dinner tonight, I'm not going to track it. I've tracked my whole day, but like, I'm not going to track that meal. And guess what? I'm going to be just fine. And it's like, Ooh, like what else can I do that? Like I'm going to be okay with, right? Again, we can't always have full control over everything, but if we can control most things and leave the uncontrollable things, leave the things that we can't control, like let like let that be, right? Again, lean into that uncertainty. I don't know how many calories are going to be in tonight's dinner. I, I, I don't know, but I do know the people I'm going to be around and I value that more as opposed to what's going to be in the food. And it's like, again, in that moment, it's memories over the macros. But again, leaning into that level of uncertainty of like, you know what? it's, it's scary for me. Like it's something that's, it's, it's going to be uncertain, but like, I'm going to be okay. You know? I think that reframe of let's focus on what you can control. A lot of people are like, well, I can't control this. I can't control this. And they, they want to talk about all of the, you know, the, the problems of their situation. And it's like, okay, great. So you've got all of these curveballs thrown at you. Totally understand that. But what can you control? And I like, you know, people always, when I, when I talk about like my, my vacation strategy, everyone's like, that's it. Like, yeah, it's actually really simple. There's a lot of things that I can't control, but you know what? I can walk, I can drink water. I can eat some veggies. I can still get a lift or two in. That's it. Like, that's what I can control. So that's what I'm going to do. I don't care how crazy life gets. Um, you know, there's, there's times where it's going to beat you down. There's times where things happen that are just out of your control. Like I always use the example somebody hits you from behind, you're in your car, you're parked at a red light, you're stopped. It's not your fault. Somebody hits you from behind. That's that's something happening to you. Like, let's call it what it is. You didn't do anything wrong. You were stopped at a red light. Somebody hits you from behind. But guess whose responsibility it is? It's still yours. You still have to control what you can, which is you still have to get the insurance info. You still have to take care of the, your car. You still have to do whatever needs to be done to right the situation. You could sit there and bitch about it and be like, woe is me. Somebody hit me from behind. Why is this happening to me? Life hates me. The universe hates me. Or you can be like, here's what I can control. First of all, I'm grateful that I'm okay. I'm, I'm grateful that I have the means to have insurance. I'm grateful. You know, you can start to shift that focus of here's all the things I can control. It's still your responsibility to take care of it. Um, and one of the things like you mentioned, just the, the confidence from, from nutrition, fitness, like I always say, we don't coach fitness and nutrition. That's, that's the vehicle, but it's really the vehicle for everything else in life. Like when you hear what our clients talk about, they talk about like life transformation. It's like the confidence, it's the, the family dynamic, like being more present with their kids, the, the release of, of social anxiety. Like, I don't know what I'm going to eat. So I'm just going to not go out with my friends. Like all of the things we, yes, we, we, coach through the vehicle of fitness and nutrition, but that's honestly just a path to a more fulfilling and more vibrant life. And that's, 
that's really what it's all about. It's just because you make those steps, because you make those decisions for yourself, it carries over into every other area of your life. Um, this has been a, a really fun conversation. What, uh, what's like next for you? What, what's next for your business? Like, where do you see, uh, like, like the next thing for, for your evolution? Yeah. Um, so my, my next thing is I am planning on releasing, I haven't, I haven't, uh, art like articulated a full title. Um, but it's essentially like a year long course, self-study course for coaches who struggle with content, struggle with video content, um, on all platforms, whether that be podcasts, YouTube, uh, again, not just related to just video content, but content in general, um, podcasts, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, like all these things um, that I know a lot of people struggle with and that it's super overwhelming. Um, and it's literally creating a all-in-one course on how to master these platforms with what you have right now um, and be able to A, build an audience, be able to build your attention, obviously like convert that attention to a more intimate traffic source, like an email list, which is huge based on the world that we live in right now with, obviously we saw Instagram and Facebook go down, super scary. Um, and obviously like getting people in on those platforms. Um, and then also being able to get clients from that, building a business, yada, yada. Um, and so for me, it's building that course for coaches um, to be able to do at a self-study pace. And so that's something that is brand new to me. Um, again, super scary. I, 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 I have no idea what I'm doing with it, but I'm going to figure it out. And I know that like, I, I, I know what I know. And it's literally taking that into a, like being a teacher for that. Um, and that's something that I really enjoy doing everything else I'll figure out. And that's like, certain, like that's what's next for me. And I'm super excited for that because it's fun. Um, and I enjoy just helping people like that. Love it. Love it. Is it going to be called be a fucking content shark? (laughs) Oh, I, I might see like, I, I, I've thought about that. Like I've, I've thought about like anyone that comes into my Facebook group now, I just, I tell them like, you're automatically a shark at making content. Um, so like, if you want to continue being a shark content, stay in here, if you want to be a guppy and continue swimming aimlessly in the ocean, go ahead. Um, up to you. Content shark. That could be, that could be the title. Um, that way you don't have to drop F bombs in the title of the course, but, uh, you can't really do like Facebook ads for that. So uh, I know (laughs) be a censored shark content. (laughs) Love it. Um, awesome. Let everybody know where they can uh, stay connected with you and, and stay up to date on everything that you're doing. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, um, in the beginning, if you want to go check out my wonderful YouTube video on a GoPro, um, it's just Enrico Incarnati on YouTube. Um, I am Rico.Incarnati on Instagram and same thing on TikTok. All right. Perfect. We'll get everything in the show notes. Um, this was an awesome conversation. Thanks so much for joining. And uh, I'll talk to you soon and see you soon in Scottsdale. Yeah, man. See you.